Big Fluff. Ideas twisted and nodded. Then suddenly he jumped up and exclaimed, I've got it. A traffic signal. That's what he'd create so all could travel safely. Yes, it'd be great. Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. Hey, this is Karen Parsons, and you're listening to Hobo Radio. Stay safe, or don't. <laughs> and now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And I am very excited today to bring you an interview with Karen Parsons, who you might know better as Hillary Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, which, as I mentioned to her in the interview, I have been very much enjoying rewatching on HBO Max. Uh, and it's a show that, that holds up remarkably well. Uh, but as we get into in the interview, the cool thing was the reason that I set up this interview with Karen Parsons is I started watching the show and I started getting nostalgic for Fresh Prince. And then I, I dug a little deeper and I started doing like some, I wonder what the cast is up to. And I saw what she's doing now. And uh, she started this sweet Blackberry Foundation. And it's such a cool project. And I, it's something I sincerely really loved the more I dug into. Uh, and as she goes on to describe, it's, um, it's something she started to tell stories that are, you know, history stories like about uh, black historical figures that we never learn. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I think at this moment in time, we're all kind of realizing how much of our history that we have never uh, been told and how much is left out of schools and, and it, it just feels really relevant and really important. And I really like the the movies that she's done. As she mentions, there's uh, DVDs. There's some books coming out. Uh, you can watch them on Canopy. Uh, but I, I really liked this stuff. Uh, and plus some just absolutely, you know, phenomenal talent uh, narrating these stories. You know, Alfre Woodard, Queen Latifah, Chris Rock, Lawrence Fishburne. Like, it's... It's really cool, and uh, hopefully, if you're just learning about this, like I just learned about it, like you're you're gonna get excited, like I did. Uh, and obviously, I talked to her about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I was not gonna miss an opportunity to talk Fresh Prince, so you get all of that in this interview, and uh, I hope you really enjoy it. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Karen Parsons. <laughs> For you now, what is it like for the show to have this staying power and, and to continue to get attention all this time later? Um, I mean, it's the gift that keeps on giving, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great experience, so it certainly isn't like I'm being reminded of some unpleasant time in my life time, <laughs> over and over again. Um, it was a, it's a surprise. It was a surprise. It's less of a surprise now because it's been such a long time that this has been happening, but, you know, the show had its first run, and before it was in syndication, we hadn't cr cracked the top ten shows or anything like that. So I feel like we were a huge, hugely successful show. I'm sure people knew about us, but I feel like we were um, known around the country, let alone the world, which we weren't yet. But then we went into syndication, and... I guess things started to slowly change. I noticed it change the most as soon as the show was off the air, which is after six years. Uh, we went off the air, 
and suddenly people were recognizing me in public, which hadn't been happening before, and um, or very little. And it was happening and started to increase more and more. And then it got to the point where, you know, we were on for a while. We would reruns like crazy, and people were coming up to me and saying, um, you know, it's so great. I love your show. It was my favorite show growing up, and now it's my daughter's favorite show. And um, and then 10 years went by, and I was still getting people saying that same thing. You know, it was my <laughs> favorite show, and now it's my kid's favorite show. And then 10 more years, and people were still saying it. And it just was like, it's just generation after generation. Um, seeing the show, relating to elements of it, really responding strongly to it. And um, I know a lot has to do with Will Smith's popularity and people loving him. But I think a lot also had to do with that we, we were doing something with really good writers and we were doing something really special. And we had something really good. I mean, we all connected. We had great crew and directors and producers and writers. Um, so it all came together. We were lucky. It, it is amazing watching it now how well it does hold up. You know, the the writing holds up really well. Like, it, it still, obviously, you're always going to have, like, little references and stuff that feel dated, but it actually plays pretty well, I feel like, still. Yeah. there. I mean, and of course, there are always elements that are they're funny to look at and, or, or strange to look at all this time later. Like, um, you know, Trump visiting the Banks family. Oh, so one of those things that was like, wow, you know, Ashley has a line where she's like, thank you for ruining my life. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we all wish we had had that line. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think uh, it's, it's, it's strange. It's like you see so much, so much is, you know, it's just a, it's an in, interesting capsule of time. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience too. Do you ever yeah. go back and rewatch it or do you, are you not someone who likes to, to go back and watch your old stuff? I'd like to now I've had enough distance. You know, the first season I was in front of, um, 50, you know, before it aired at eight o'clock. And I was in front of the TV, seven fifty eight with little, it um, diligently every week, and that was the first season. And then by the second season, I couldn't stand to watch myself, so I never, I didn't watch the shows. And um, you know, so I'd catch the show once in a while after that, next you know, five years. But I didn't make a point to seeing them. And there are shows I've never seen. Oh wow! To to this day, yeah. I mean, they're mostly I don't I don't do that. I'm, purpose i just didn't make a date to watch it there was only like maybe one show that i made a point of not seeing <laughs> <laughs> when we shot it when we rehearsed it it was so funny and then when we shot it i mean the audience lather when phil said it was funny i've had people comment it but but the experience of it wasn't funny in the moment and i had rehearsed it many times when it felt funny and then the, the one that was actually the recorded one just didn't feel funny. And, um, so it just, Oh, it just gives me, can I ask what episode it is or would you prefer not to? Well, I don't remember that. Well, all I remember <laughs> is that it was an episode where I guess I, Hillary got, um, I think she went to the dentist or something and got drugged. I, it took, you know, some laughing gas or some kind of something. And she's just totally out of it. And um, so I have a scene with Will that when we shot, when we, when like I said, when we rehearsed it a few times, it was it was hilarious. And it was one of those things where it felt really funny when we were doing it. Um, but those things are hard to recreate. You know, it's hard for it to have the exact same spontaneity when you're driving things into the ground to make sure it's right for tape night. And that's just how comedy goes. Um, that's why some a lot of people like to shake things up and change lines and do things to shake things up so that they can be fresh. And um, that was one of those things where I felt like it had been funny to everybody else, but to me it was like, oh, it just felt like ugh, compared to how it had been before. So I just did not want to watch it because I felt like I was pushing through moments that really weren't funny, but I had to keep going. I had to keep doing it anyway. And um, 
eh, whatever. One day I'll watch it. <laughs> I've seen still people like I've seen still shots from it. People have mentioned it to me, and I'm like, oh yeah, that show. I remember that episode, the one that I won't watch. <laughs> uh. What, so I saw you guys, you recently, uh, everybody kind of reconnected for, it was like a Zoom call or something uh, that it looked like Will Smith put together. What, what was that like? Yeah, that was a, a Snapchat uh, Zoom call thing. Yeah, Will, Will had us kind of re, uh, reunite. It was great, except that when, when it was over, I got off, the, off of the call and promptly started crying. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Because I just, it, you know, it happened so fast. It was so fast. And we're all looking at each other. And we can't talk like we'd like to because, you know, everybody can talk at one time. And so you're kind of quietly, you know, listening and everybody. But, you know, I'm used to being in that group and when we have hours together. And, um, and we have so much to talk about and so much to catch up on and, I wanted to touch people, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that was frustrating. So it was over in no time. The good news was Tatiana called me right after. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, oh. So we talked for an hour on the phone, and that was great, and that helped a lot. Because, it, you know, in the, in the time that we were on, it was like, God, I, I, I need to see these people more often. You know, we used to see each other a little bit more often. And, of, of course, over time, it's less and less, and... Will is very hard to nail down. Oh, sure. Busy. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's not like people, we don't understand. We, and we can't, we, when we do see each other, it's like family. We pick up right where we left off. We're just like, boop, you know, we slide right on in there. And, and, um, we're so comfortable with each other. You know, we played house for six years together. We all loved it. And then, um, and it was, and we, it was really a life changing experience for all of us. We went through something together um, that will always be such a big part of us. So, so we're bonded. And the good news is, like I said, we we genuinely like each other, love each other. So, um, it's it's a very special relationship. I, I'm lucky enough to get to see um, Daphne, Tatiana, and even Alfonso. Um, from time to time through Comic-Cons or if I'm in L.A., I try to see Alf or visit Tatiana in California. Daphne and I, do, we see each other at Comic-Cons sometimes and talk to. Um, Joe Marcel, I don't get to see as much because he lives in England. And like I said, Will is just so B. So I saw Ross, who played our little brother at a Comic-Con right before the pandemic. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that was really cool. We got to hang out to spend time together. Um, got to know him, who he was, you know, which was really fun. He's a great guy. But, um, yeah, it's, it was weird seeing each other that way so fast. Yeah, and I I got choked up watching the, the James Avery stuff. Like, what was that like? Yeah. To... Well, I survived it, you know, I think. <laughs> it, yeah, that was something. I, you know, we all got weepy, but we survived it. You know, we were, we were, we loved him so much, and we were all close and James was such a dad to us. He really was, you know, he, he called me daughter. He didn't call me Karen. Oh. He called me daughter. That's how he addressed me all the time. So I think he did the same with Ta. And, um, and we were close, you know, um, I really cared deeply about him. We were neighbors for a while. Um, we, in LA, we lived close by and we went to the supermarket same supermarket at the same time many times during the week so we bump into each other oh nice <laughs> we were on, kind of on the same schedule but uh yeah he was such a such a great guy with his beautiful spirit it was so fun and funny and alive and um just uh, such an artist creator of the arts and of artists and um a generous spirit and a a lovely, lovely man and like a big old hippie. And I was crazy about James and I was always very concerned about his health. Yeah. Um, you know, and I get on his case about stuff and he would 
meet me with the exact same um, annoyance you would expect. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, it's just so it's time is is a healer because if we had tried to do, get through something like that a year or two or even four or five after his passing or many of us were close up on that now, it just gets a little bit easier to, to breathe. It's, it's, uh, it was really hard for a while. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure. And it, it does sound very father daughter of like being concerned for his health and obviously, you know, not, not being able to, not being able uh, to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, like I said, so, you know, I, I've been watching the show and it's been really cool to, to revisit it. And then I got kind of curious about uh, what you've been doing since then. And I discovered this sweet Blackberry stuff and I, I really love it. Like, it's so cool, like, uh, what you're doing. So how did that come about? Like, you you know, what was sort of the, the beginning of that? Well, thank you. Um, librarian my entire growing up and I... Um, I spent a lot of time in the library, and then when I was an adult, and my mom was still working in libraries, she was heading the Black Resource Center at one point at her library, and uh, she would call me and tell me stories that she came across that she found really interesting. And um, she told me the story of Henry Box Brown, an enslaved man who literally mailed himself to freedom in a box from her, where he was... He was mailed. He got inside of a box, had it nailed shut, had postage applied, and he was mailed from Virginia to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the box. And he was not discovered on this 27-hour journey by wagon, train, boat. He made it, and when they opened it up, he was across state lines, and so he was free. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought this was the craziest shit I had ever heard. I was like... (laughs) What? This is not real. It's a true story. But then as strange to me is the fact that I had never heard it. Yeah. How does how is that a real story and we don't all know it? You know, and so I was I would talk to my friends and none of my friends knew the story and I was like, Well, this just has to be a picture book for kids. I mean, can you imagine a man in a box and blah 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 blah? This incredible triumph. I mean, this is great. And then I would go back to like, you know, partying and, I don't know, club hopping or whatever I was doing <laughs> and I forget about it. And I did this like, you know, and then I would have some time off from work and I would, my mom would tell me about other stories or I would investigate because the internet was really brand new at the time. So there was very little on there. And I would find other stories and I would make more notes and I was just like, you know, accumulating these stories that I wanted to do a, a series of books for kids about real people in black history that you didn't hear about. And um, and then I would go shopping at Barney's with my friends. About <laughs> it. You know, and the cycle went on until I was pregnant with my first child, probably. And at which time I was thinking, like, what, am, what are they teaching kids in the school? Like, what, what am I going to do to supplement her education, make sure she's learning the things that I want her to learn? I didn't learn all kinds of stuff. And, and thinking about Henry Box Brown again, and my husband, who is an independent filmmaker, who writes scripts, gets his crew, puts on, you know, directs a film, goes and does it, uh, everything. He was like, he just stopped talking so much and just do this. <laughs> <laughs> I come from an acting background, which is a little more passive, you know, a little more of waiting around for someone to call you, your agent to call, and waiting for the call back, and all this waiting and stuff. And um, so I had to get on a horn and figure it out. I didn't know how to, to publish. Self-publishing wasn't what it is today. It wasn't as easy. So I did end up figuring out how I could maybe make a movie. And I talked to, I met people, I just started telling people what I wanted to do and people would introduce me to somebody friend would say oh that's you know I think I know someone who's an illustrator oh I think I know someone who's an animator oh you should talk to this person and um so I started pulling all the pieces together and I sat down to write it and while I was writing it Alfre Woodard's voice came into my head and and I had worked with Alfre many years before on Gulliver's Travel it's called Gulliver's Travel um based you know on the book and 
I I'd come to know her, and I already admired her as an actress, but now I really admired her as a woman when I got to know her. And once I had her voice in my head, I couldn't get it out. <laughs> so I knew I had to approach Alfrey, and I did, and she said yes. And I think that that was really huge, too, which I didn't know like how huge at the time. I knew it would be great to have her, and like I said, I heard her voice. But by the first one we did, having this immense respected talent narrating it. It made it that much easier to later go to Queen Latifah and say, you know, would you be interested in doing one? Because the person who did it before was Alfred Woodard. Yeah. You know? And so then you go to Chris Rock and it's like, well, Alfred and Queen Latifah did it. And he's like, you know, sure. You know, Lawrence Fishburne. It's like, we've, so we've, I've been really fortunate um, the way it's un, un, unraveled and rolled unveiled i don't know what the word is how it's come about and uh, <laughs> i so i've been very fortunate with the way it's all come together but that's how that's how it began that's how it all started and those are like all of them every single one like yeah it's it's like how are you going to top alfrey woodard and then it's like you know every person that you got is fantastic like both just in like obviously name recognition but then they're fantastic at reading these stories like i really loved queen latifah uh, well, you know what's funny with Queen Latifah is she showed up, she came, and that actually came through Will Smith. I mean, she had worked on Fresh Prince. She'd done a couple episodes. One time she played my boss, my boss actually, on Fresh Prince. And so I knew her, but we weren't, you know, we weren't buddies or anything. But she is very close to Will and Jada. And Will had said to me, he's like, you know, Dana needs to do one of these. You know, meaning Queen Latifah. He's like, she, she really needs to do one. I'm like, that would be great. How can we make that happen? Well, <laughs> we spoke to her, and she came in to do it, and she showed up, and she came in on a red eye. And I didn't know she was coming in on a red eye. And um, so she came in, and she was super, like, quiet, barely talking, a lot of just nodding. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> she's exhausted. She has no energy, and this is a kid's project. I got to get her energy up. Okay, you know what we're going to do. I need her to, you know. So she gets in the booth, and I'm just like, oh, gosh, okay, here we go. You know, it's just going to be awkward. Um, and then she, she, started, she starts marking the page, and she's doing stuff to herself. And as soon as we started recording, she was, her energy was high and <laughs> so amazing that I almost almost had to pull her back just because my expectations were that she was going to be so much lower. Because I was like, oh, shoot. And then I, it occurred to me, I was like, what am I thinking? She's a voice artist. She's been a voice artist longer than she's been an actor. Right. You yeah. know, she, she, knows how to, she knows how to use the microphone. She knows her voice. She knows her, her body. She knows how to do this better than I could imagine directing her. You know, she, she knows her instrument all too well. And, um, so it was very funny to me because I was like, okay, I just got that lesson. Don't forget who you're dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she's just conserving energy like as soon as the you give exactly. her the go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, I was curious, like, uh, I don't want to skip too far past the, the first one because uh, the Henry Box Brown, like, what I loved about that one, uh, too, is, like, I almost my instinct was I expected that, like, you were going to stop when he you know like he gets mailed and then he arrives and then i love that it like kept going a little bit and like followed oh. him yeah like i just like that was such a cool choice like for a children's story to not just be like and then he arrived and it was over you know yeah. that you actually like dealt with the emotions of it uh was really cool to me i don't know what happened i don't know i mean no, it's so funny when you write like it's like it's funny you say that cause it's been such a long time i'm like yeah it's interesting i didn't just stop it <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was, I'm trying to think of how that came about. Cause it was important to me that it just, it, that he, the whole idea that it was always, it was important to me that like, just because he was free, everyone wasn't free. Yeah. You know, he was, you know, and, and, and as long as everyone, just cause he is, and as long it still was slavery was still existed. And as long as everyone was still um, enslaved, it wasn't okay, you know. He, he knew something was not right. He couldn't. He couldn't celebrate the way he wanted to. Um, that's funny you bring that up. Nobody ever brings that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I think it's just, I, I like it because I think people tend to oversimplify children's stories. You know, they tend to assume sure. that they can't handle, you know, more complex stuff. And I, I think you handle it really beautifully. And you, you know, like all of these stories are kind of trusting kids to get it. And I, I, I like that. Like, I, I don't like when people talk down to kids, you know? Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And I, it was really important to me to, I wanted, for one, I wanted to teach, do history that engages kids because I hated history as a kid. To me, it was like so dry and boring and everyone was like, you just have to memorize these dates because they're important. Right. Like, what is important? <laughs> like, they just are, you know? <laughs> and it seemed like they just they were thinner and the words were smaller and the pictures were all black and white sketches and I didn't relate or understand any of it. And, um, I wanted to be able to give kids more like a, um, like fairy tales, more like, you know, the way we know Little Red Riding Hood, like the back of our hands. Like, well, why not give them these stories that are incredible about real people? Why not give them these stories with the same kind of, you know, imagination and love and, you know, that so the kids can engage and they can lean in and, and go, Oh, I get that. Or I, I, I feel like that too, or whatever it is that they can lean in and understand. And like you said, not shy away from sometimes big subjects because kids are more ready than we give them credit for, you know? And, and also it's, a, it's our opportunity to talk to them about it. You know, we had, when I sat down to write the journey of Henry Box Brown, I do remember, I think by the time I was writing it, I I just had my baby, but I hadn't had a child to, to be talking with yet. She was not that big yet. Yet, I knew when I was writing it that it was you know, sensitive material. I hadn't thought it through. And then when I sat down to write it, I was like, oh, shoot, I'm about to write a thing about slavery, a story about slavery for little kids. <laughs> what, what am I thinking? I don't know how to do this. Like, what do I say? This is intense. This is really <laughs> intense stuff. So, you know, it, it took a little while when I when I figured out to bring animals into it to explain what freedom was helped. When I started, you know, made that turn, that helped a lot. But then it came time, like when we were um, animating it, and we came to the this part where I had in there about something about the whip and its crack, and then you have the the you know slave master with his you know wielding this big old whip and we got into questions of like okay do we show the whip do we make the whip make a sound like you know how much is too much for little people yeah violent and too scary and start like you know looking at all these really little important angles and um but the good news is all in all even though the story deals with some things that are really hard, every screening I ever have with little kids and they do a Q&A, the little ones always ask it. Someone always asks at the end, did he ever see his family again? Oh. Yeah. Every single time. And it is so hard. Yeah. To have to look at these little faces and say, no, he didn't. Oh, God. No, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, part, but hey, Bambi, Bambi, <laughs> I got one word for you, Bambi. No, there's okay. a long and storied tradition of traumatizing children's of stories. Traumatizing children. Yeah. And I want to be part of that. <laughs> I'm doing my best to be part of that. <laughs> it's true. It's like kids. This, this, I got one that I do know now. My kids are teenagers now. But what I have watched with them is it's very interesting to watch how much kids often like to lean into the suffering. They yeah. want to, they want to understand it. They want, it's mysterious. It's, they want to know about that. They want to know about pain. They want to, they're feeling their feelings. Uh, they want to know, they want to understand. They have incredible empathy and they they want to they want to feel what other people are feeling and understand it and talk about it, and um, and I think that that's something it's a gift it's a beautiful thing children still have that and so we want them to understand other people and other times and and why things happened the way they did as best we can explain them because some things are really hard to explain um, cruelty is hard to explain 
Yeah. But but um but we want them to know as much as and I think things like Sweet Blackberry, they give us the opportunity to lay it out in front of them so we can have a discussion. Ask me what you want to ask me. What about this is strange to you? What questions do you have? And it's great for parents and educators to have that to have something that gives them that that gives them that that um introduction, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm curious to like looking at it. So the first one, it was 2005, right? And then, um, you, so like, uh, just for you, you know, um, obviously like you, you know, it's an independent thing. You have to find funding, you have to put these together, but like, has it, you know, like, what is your, I guess like in a perfect world, like, like what would be your vision for this? Like how often would you want to make these? Oh my God. In a perfect <laughs> world. Are you kidding me? If we had money, if we had funding, um, if we had funding, I mean, I would love to be able to do, I'd love to be able to do two a year. Oh, okay. Um, of this, of this size. I mean, I could do more. Um, if we, you know, we've brought them down to a little bit shorter and we really focused, we could do, you know, more than that a year. We could do five or six a year. And, but if you have an order, you know, it, everything, everything is cost less if you have an or a larger order, but if you're doing one-offs, it costs more. And then there's having to raise the money for it. And so it, and you know, you, when you're split and doing a million other things and you don't have, um, a big, I don't have a big sweet blackberry team, huge team behind me. It's just a few, um, lovely loyal people helping it's not you know we're not getting paid (laughs) (laughs) you know we're not getting paid unless money comes in for us to make things and we're paid to make them but we don't get you're not getting paid so it's very hard to keep something like that moving the way it it really should to operate fully um and we have so many it's a shame because we have so many ideas as i've lived with with sweet blackberry my very modest vision for the organization has grown significantly because of raising children of my own, raising sweet blackberry and learning from it and society and seeing our culture and our community and what it needs and what I think, where I think we can fit in and, and help. And, um, but funding is always, is always a hitch. You know, unfortunately, um, the money situation still exists. If you start to understand like, Oh, I know what we can do. It's like, yes. Still got that money problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you feel like it's like, because I could kind of see watching them all in a row. Like, do you feel like you've kind of streamlined the process or like I, I can see like the animation evolve and like the way you filmed it kind of change over uh-huh. time. Like, does it feel like it uh-huh. like you're kind of figuring that out more and more? Or? Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, you, know, you figure out what money goes where when the same, some of the same people at the, you know, you can see that the look of it because our Gregory Christie is the illustrator. I mean, so he's illustrated, he didn't illustrate the first one, but he illustrated the, the subsequent uh, three. And so he knows what he's doing. You know, he had to learn too. He hadn't done an animated film before. So he learned about having to make like arms and eyes that, you know, you can interchange with different, Images with just with different bodies and profiles, so that you can move things around and animate them. And um, it's you know he, he started figuring it out. And then um, you know I've worked with different animators. You learn who you work best with and how and what to ask for. Um, some people are are more are ready to take it on and run with ideas, and some people are are more rigid and um, you know, you find what works best for you. So yeah, you learn as you go. I learned probably even in my writing of the stories, I've probably learned what works better for that as well. Um, yeah, and then there are other things in place. You start to have relationships with studios and such that can help things along. I, I think it's so cool to like the, because the animation is obviously very minimal, but it like uh-huh. you get so much personality out of it. And like, yeah. yeah, it's really... I think you- yeah. yeah, I loved uh, the the Janet I, Collins one too, in particular. Like all the the dancing and everything was like I really loved the animation. Oh great! Oh great! I'm glad. It's so hard for me sometimes because I I go show, show these in schools and I I always have to step out after I announce it and then come back in for the Q and A. 
like a lot of things. I mean, I'm sure you understand when you know you do things sometimes and you turn it in and then you're looking at it later and you're like, oh, I wish I had done something. Oh, I wish I had done that. <laughs> so I have a little bit of that with um with the films. Often, uh, I find myself going, oh, <laughs> can't look at that, you know, or you didn't get music that you wanted or whatever things didn't work the way you wanted perfectly but as it's been going i've been i've been feeling more and more as they go along um more confident with the end results how hard happy to say how hard would it be to get to 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 a year like how how tough would it be to actually get to that perfect world well, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a matter of fa- finances. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I, I guess I'm not asking you for specific numbers, but I'm just curious, like, how hard would it be to, to get? It wouldn't be that hard. It wouldn't be that hard. We just need the commitment. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't. Be, I don't think it's. I honestly don't think it would be that hard. We just need the, we just need the commitment and the belief. I mean, and I think the thing is, now we've shown ourselves. We've, you know, we've we've shown ourselves. We've had these films have been on HBO, um, HBO Family, Netflix. They're on Canopy. We've, you know, I think we've proven ourselves. And they've been in, all around the country, and they still are. We still get orders all the time. So um, I think we've proven that we've we've put out something, a product that people like and that works. Now we need somebody to get behind us and say okay, we support this and we want to see more of it. And so hopefully we can make that happen. Uh, so hopefully I, I'm just envisioning into the world that someone very rich is listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> uh, and so like, what is the best way if they, if they wanted to support it? Like how could they, you know, what would be the best way? Well, you can, you can go to sweetblackberry.org and, um, at sweetblackberry.org, we have you can see more about what about this about the organization itself. Um, but there's also a donate page. You can always you can write to us. You can write to me at Sweet Blackberry. If you go to the admin, you will reach me directly, or you can also reach me at sweetblackberry.org. Either way, and um, and we can we can definitely uh, work together. We've had some wonderful people come through and help us over time to get us where we are, and um, we've made some great relationships. And so that's been really, really nice. And I'm very appreciative of that. We've also done Kickstarters, and we have a, such a support group. Um, that's such an experience, and that's been really great. And so you know we've got those people that are always supporting us and and ready to. Um, you know, get hold of our, our films too. And a lot of educators in, are involved about our, our work. So that's great. Cause I, you know, you wanted to get a bit to the kids. It's a big thing. Uh, so you, you've done Henry Box Brown. You did Garrett Morgan. You did Janet Collins and Bessie Coleman is that one's not out yet. Or that one's like about to come out. Bessie or? Coleman is, is indeed. Oh, Bessie Coleman is indeed out. It's available uh, for the DVD is available on our website and um, hopefully it'll be on canopy soon. We've been talking to, we were talking to them right before <laughs> this whole <laughs> Before the world flipped upside down <laughs> before the pandemic, and and then um, we stopped, and you know that's we've we've picked it back up, and so hopefully that'll be happening soon. But I think it that was um, it's just a strange, disorienting time for everybody. But we'll be on. I think we'll be on canopy soon. Also, I'm sorry. Did you just say that the world got flipped, turned upside down? Did you? I think you did. That. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so I wanted to ask though too, like, so if, who are some of the other ones you like, who else would you love to, to do? Like, do you have a list or like, you know, who, who else are you thinking about? I have a lot so many people or so many people like, you know, it's hard not to think of like the times that were in the back, like Ella Baker and think people don't know her so much about her. There are, um, and it, for me, there are always opportunities for me to learn, too, because when I, you know, I'll know a little bit about somebody or not much about somebody and I'll start researching and I'll end up, you know, just cracking wide open this world and into someone who I can't believe I've gone my entire adult, adult life with not, without really knowing anything about them or knowing very little. Um, there are, 
there a number store? Sorry, I'm just not sure. So I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they brought someone else to my attention who I'd never heard of. And um, that happens a lot. <laughs> and yeah. that makes me go, oh, wait a minute. What about this person? So I, I'm not exactly sure. I have lots of notes on people. And if we get ready to do something, I would I can make that decision quickly or could make the decision with the help of somebody who was supporting our next project, too. Because that's also a thing if somebody says, you know, we would love to see a story about someone like this. You know, I've got a, I have a handful. We've got so, we have so many stories that need to be told about people who have contributed to, um, to the building of this country, to knocking down so many walls and breaking so many glass ceilings. And we've just got so many stories to tell that are American stories. They're stories for all of us to know about. And I really feel strongly that if we bring stories to children when they're young, to all children when they're young, that it will change the landscape of race for them. Because not only will they see their, possibly see their value and what they're capable of, they'll also recognize their neighbor's value and the people that came before. I think it's something we all could benefit from. But when you've got a history that's constantly telling one um, lopsided that's, you know, it, it, that doesn't do anybody any good except perpetuate, some, you know, ugly feelings uh, and, and keeping people feeling small and being treated like they're small. And I think that, I think if we just tell the truth and we open it up, I think that little pe- young people will do a lot of the, they'll do a lot of that processing as they grow up and they'll look at the world differently and approach it differently. Yeah, that that is something where obviously it is such a, chaotic time right now and it's uh you know so much going on but that i think that's something that i see a lot on social media that like i think a lot of us are kind of having the same realization that you did that there is all this history that we never learned that nobody ever talked about and i i think that's why i really love this and i i hope that you you know i hope someone writes that check as they're listening to this right now (laughs) thank you i do yeah just because it's yeah it's like all of this stuff like you just don't learn about it And, and uh, I'm going to keep promoting you because I really love this. So, uh, but I, I really appreciate that, though. I really appreciate that you really see what we the value of this of what Sweet Blackberry is, and that you're that you're a cheerleader for us. I mean, that means a lot. Thank you. No, yeah, no, for sure. And I think it's cool too. Like in the the Janet Collins one, I really love too that you actually. Well, first of all, I love that there were uh, you know tiny ballerinas in the beginning of it. Anyway, but uh, I love that there were like boys in there as well. Sure. You know, like I think sure. that there's so much important you know uh, messaging that you know you guys yeah. have in these. Uh, I also, by the way, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I, I mean, I assume it probably was, but. I noticed like for Henry Box Brown and for the Garrett's Gift, like you actually had female narrators. And then for the Janet Collins and the Bessie Coleman, you had male narrators. I didn't know if that was something. Yeah, it was intentional. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed. Yeah. I it's a thing. It's a little thing. But yeah, those are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's smart. I going yeah that was intentional yeah yeah, yeah. no but I, I think it's smart because then it's like you know it's just a way to encourage that the these stories are for everyone and not to be kind of i want everyone to i want everyone to to come and sit around and, and feel welcomed i don't want anyone to ever feel like well that, that's not for me that's not you know that's not for me that's just for girls or that's just for oh that's a boy story or you know what i mean and whatever it is that turns people that way whatever i can do to to hopefully encourage a feeling of, of welcoming everyone. And, and I say that again about the stories in, as far as including everyone. These are not just stories for little brown children. These are stories for everybody. And I, and I really want people to know that. Yeah. And they're, they're cute and they're well done. And like, no, I, I really love them. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, is there anything I didn't ask you about? I want to make sure, is there anything else that you want to mention or? Other thing I would mention, well, two things that I would mention is one that um, the Sweet Blackberry um, hardcover storybooks are finally going to come out at the end of this year. The first one is Bessie um, Flying Free How Bessie Coleman's Dreams Took Flight. 
the hardcover picture book. It's coming out December 1st of this year. And so I'm really excited about it. And Greg Christie, our Gregory Christie did the illustrations. Again, it's taken from the films. There are a few little adjustments, but um, it's, it looks really good. I'm so excited because, you know, like I started this whole thing wanting to do books. And so that's finally happened. And um, and then we're going to have Garrett's, Garrett's gift next year, the spring of 2021. And then the other thing I would just mention is, um, I don't know if you know, but I wrote a book last year, um, or had a book come out last year called How High the Moon. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, I had a book come out for middle graders. It's a historical fiction novel uh, the moon, and it follows an 11-year-old girl in the Jim Crow South. She lives in a little town outside of Charleston, South Carolina, and she's a light-skinned black girl. But she's she's being raised by her grandparents and lives with her cousins who are all black, um, and her mother who is black lives up in Boston. But Ella isn't sure if she's maybe mixed, if her dad's maybe white, like some of the kids tease her about, because she doesn't know who her dad is. And so um, she gets a chance to go visit her mom, who's trying to be a jazz singer up in Boston. She gets a chance to visit her up there and sees a stark difference between how blacks are treated up in Boston how they from how they're treated back home in South Carolina. And then she learns some things about her father, some gets some clues about who her father might be. And when she goes back down to South Carolina, she starts to investigate, but she also finds out that one of her dear friends, George Stinney, has been arrested for the murder of two little black girls, I mean, two little white girls, sorry. And this is based on a true story. George Stinney was a real person. And for people who don't know about him, George Stinney was 14 years old when he was executed um, for for supposedly murdering white girls, which they found out later to be completely untrue. But his whole trial was a sham. and he was exonerated, but this would be years, decades after um, he had already been executed. He's the youngest person to date ever to have been executed at 14 years old oh, in the wow. United States. And um, his story is one that I, I would come across when I was looking for sweet story, you know, re- researching little-known stories. George would come up often, and none of my friends knew who he was, and I wanted to tell his story, but it wasn't a sweet blackberry story, obviously, because it wasn't empowering or inspiring or uplifting in any way. And um, when I started writing How High the Moon, which is kind of an ode to my mom's growing up in South Carolina, I wanted to slip into her shoes and see what it'd be like to have a combination of me and my mom walking around you know, that time and see what it was like and how she had a, a happy childhood she described. And in doing so, I found out that George Stinney grew up around the same time in a little town outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And so George ended up making his way into the story as one of Ella's friends. And uh, yeah, so that came out last year that the um, paperback was just released a couple months ago. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah. No, sorry, I didn't know about that one. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, again, thank you so much for doing this. It was, uh, really lovely to talk to you. And like, I, I really do, you know, I, I will shout at everyone I can find to tell them <laughs> about this. I appreciate that. I really do. It means, it means a lot. And, um, that, that's, that's where, how the word, you know, word gets out by people who believe in what we're doing, know about it and they tell friends and then their friends and so on and so on. And hopefully we'll get some, <laughs> some good, some, some support. There you have it, my interview with Karen Parsons, and wasn't she delightful? She she really was so great to talk to. Uh, it it might have sounded like I was really uh, promoting heavily for uh, Sweet Blackberry, but I I really did enjoy it. Like that, it is utterly sincere. I I really like the stuff, and it, it seems like a no brainer to me that that someone should come along and support it it seems like a a simple thing and so i i really hope that we can put that into the universe and uh and make that happen and if you are that rich benefactor uh you know go to sweetblackberry.org or or check out you know in the the show notes i have a link uh and if you enjoyed the show 
you know, consider rating or reviewing the podcast. Go to hobotrashcan.com. Check out some of the interviews. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And remember, question everything. Just got your text, I'm about to head down Even if this bus doesn't show up, I'm in route It's been a while since I seen your side of town But you know I'd make the trip if ever you gave a shout Breathing heavy, running thin ground Girl, I heard you singing impatient once out You'd rather swim for life than drown And chalk dry land up to another lost and found But I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss the way you curse aloud And can silence crowds With the simple rays of your ride route Lights out, smiles down Reroute the whole thing to right here, right now Clutching another one of your last menthols Debating samurai, shampoo as the best of All time couldn't hold a candle next to Running town with you until the sun couldn't catch up Alright, hold tight, put that phone down, focus, both eyes I know the way it feels, no sleep, all fight The next day coming cold like a slow knife We about to go big easy, pause, reset, get into it Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick Come on, pause, reset, get into it Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick Yeah, pause, reset, get into it Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick Uh, pause, reset, get into it the day school of graphic design ran out of lines I grew tired of schooling professors in poli sci Funny how tough love will teach you how to fly Survive a crash, but not how to put out the fire Like slanging on the side to cover the utilities We were too good to go without the volatility Even though all you did was keep it real with me And I was feeling it, it didn't change that I wasn't ready to deal with me Yeah, just like the century brought the void I had to deal with the other side of the coin A self-sabotaged barrage of starting noise To find a way of getting the light and the dark to join the getting there is all part of the joy Even though I still do biz with the Barbaroy All I wanted was my friend back But knew it'd be a long route, high road Before you could respect that Alright, hold tight Put that phone down, focus, both eyes I know the way it feels, no sleep, all fight The next day coming cold like a slow knife we about to go big easy, pause, reset, get into it. Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick. Come on, pause, reset, get into it. Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick. Yeah, pause, reset, get into it. Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick. Uh, pause, reset, get into it. Yeah, before it hit the ground, when it went down, and it was looking so far gone, I know you'd have my back, both sides in front, and it was on like Voltron. Before it hits the ground, when it goes down, and it's looking so far gone, you know I got your back, both sides in front, we make it bond like Voltron. Yup! We about to go big easy, pause, reset, get into it. Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick. Come on, pause, reset, get into it. Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick. Yeah, pause, reset, get into it. Keep it simple, snare, symbol, and kick. Uh, pause, reset, get into it. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. But sometimes... They look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.